You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting the Black Man with a Gun Show. It's been 10 years. I've been podcasting that long with this one show. And I'm going to share a couple of insights, a couple of high points, things that made me laugh. I'm so glad you're here. Also, we're going to talk about fear. Yeah, fear. And we got a tip from my friend and brother, Michael J. Woodland, that you don't want to miss. All this and more coming up next. Blackmanwithagun.com Ken Blanchard's Pro-Gun Podcast. On this week's show, I'm going to talk about fear and three elements about fear that maybe you never thought about before. It mixes in with a little bit of history and some stuff to make you think because I like to do that. But on the lighter side, I'm just glad to be here. Glad to be here for you another week. Shout out belatedly to all the Marines. Happy birthday. And thanks all the veterans for your service. This weekend, I got a chance to go to a local pod community event called the DC Pod Fest. And I had probably 100 people there and new podcasters mostly. And I was one of the old salts. And it gave me a chance to just reminisce and think about all the blessings in which you have given me being my friend and listener, uh, being there for me on social media, helped me grow as a person. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for just being you. I want to recognize and thank the 25 members of our Patreon account. That community has been supporting me for a while now, and I thank you for your generous donation. Um, I can't do this full time, and sometimes I just want to throw up my hands and scream because it takes work to put out a good podcast, to make it sound good, to to be entertaining, to be informative, to be educational, to be controversial, to be respectful, all that. It takes some brain power. And you get it. And I appreciate you helping me out. After John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance, we're going to get on with episode number 546 of the Black Man with a Gun Show. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now I suppose this would be a good time to talk about patriotism, nationalism, racism, John Wayne, and standing and kneeling and protesting, but I don't feel like it. So I'm just going to move on. I still like John Wayne. I still like my country. I still like the flag. And if any of those things offend you, you can stop listening right now. Bye. All right, cool people. Let's go. The oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear. And the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. H.P. Lovecraft. One of my most frequently asked questions when it's safe, is what's the background or the history on why black people are afraid of guns? Why are we different? Well, it starts with our origins in this country. The African was not allowed to have a firearm. In 1806, for example, according to Chapter 33, Section 19, Laws of Louisiana, it provided that 
a slave, was denied the use of firearms and all offensive weapons. In 1811 in Louisiana, there was a complete gun ban for slaves. It was an act of April 8, 1811. It forbade sale or delivery of firearms to slaves. In 1819, South Carolina, you needed a master's permission to have a gun. A slave was prohibited outside the company of whites or without written permission from their master from using or carrying firearms unless they were hunting or guarding the master's plantation. 1825, Florida. Slave and free black homes searched for guns for confiscation. It was an act called the Act to Govern Patrols, Section 8, provided that white citizens' patrols shall enter into all Negro houses and suspected places and search for arms and other offensive or improper weapons and may lawfully seize and take away all such arms, weapons, and ammunition. Section 9 of this same thing said it provided that a slave might carry a firearm under the statute either by means of the weekly renewable license, weekly, or in the presence of some white person. These laws pretty much say the same across the country, even up until 1906. Then it changed just a little bit. Free and slaved people. Legally unarmed. Unable to own firearm. Now let's go to the black family. Raised by mothers and grandmothers or some maternal force. She does not want her son, her grandson, or her husband to be hung, lynched, beat, shot, put in a work camp, sent to prison, or beat down like an animal. So you have this mother, the matriarch of the family, outlawing all guns in the household. This becomes a cultural norm because if you want to be a good Negro, you don't want to be in any trouble. This was not politically motivated. It was survival. And survival became tradition. No black mother wanted her son, husband, child, summarily punished for having a firearm in the house. So it became almost cultural to be illegal gun owners if you had one, to be undercover brother. As time went on and they were military veterans and law enforcement officers of color in this mix, those still mores, those values are still there. When the great migration and these black people moved from the South to the North, the cultures and traditions followed. It was easy to impart these same racial, racial laws to a people, restricting them from firearm use because it's for their own good, you know. It did not matter that way earlier in 1791 that the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution was ratified that read that a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Didn't matter. Because a year later after the Second Amendment was ratified, 1792, blacks were excluded from the militia, i.e. law-abiding males thus instilled with the right to own guns. Uniform Militia Act of, 19, of 1792, quote, called for the enrollment of every free, able-bodied white male citizen between the ages of 18 and 45 to be in the militia, and specified that every militia member was to, quote, provide himself with a musket or firelock, a bayonet, and ammunition. But there was a family tradition, a black family tradition, of keeping black people unarmed, even after the Civil War ended May 26, in 1865. Slavery abolished as of December 18, 1865. 
1866 in Alabama. A black code of Alabama in January prohibited blacks to own or carry firearms or, or other deadly weapons and prohibited, quote, any person to sell, give, or lend firearms or ammunition of any description whatsoever to any black. Don't quite understand still? Well, as Thanksgiving comes up in a couple of weeks, I'm reminded of a story of a bunch of ladies that were in a kitchen. The guys were watching football, scratching themselves and drinking beer in the other room. And the ladies were talking about baking bread and how they enjoyed grandma's bread. One of the younger girls said, how come you cut off the ends of the loaf before you put it back? And they said, well, we've always done it like that. It's our history. It's our tradition. So maybe you should ask Aunt Eloise. Aunt Eloise was the eldest in the room at the time. And they said, so why do we cut off the ends on Eloise on the bread? Well, they said, well, we've been doing it now for close to 150 years. My mama did it and her mama did it and big mama did it. But I think it goes back to the stove. When we were little kids, the stove wasn't that big. So to make it fit in the pan, we had to cut the ends off. Now, this tradition had been going on for years, and nobody really questioned why they wasted some bread. Tradition of disarming black people has been going on for years, and folks have just accepted it as this is how it is. But today, because of the Internet, because of knowledge and Google and Bing and all those aggregators that allow you to learn, folks are questioning it. We have years of veterans coming back home who have been trained, people who are curious and want to know. Folks who have survived post 9-11 and fear has been a major part of their life. But there is a trend now, a growing trend of people of color arming themselves, getting training. Still not in the numbers of everybody else but still increased from when I was a kid. So why did it take us so long? Fear. Fear of the unknown. Tradition. Even if it was bad tradition. Let's talk more about this fear. In 1962, American firearms expert and retired Marine Colonel Jeff Cooper coined the word hoplophobia to denigrate and anger proponents of gun control by implying that their thoughts were aberrant and unreasoning. He said, I coined the term hoplophobia in response to a perceived need for the word to describe a mental aberration consisting of an unreasoning terror of gadgetry, specifically weapons. The most common manifestation of hoplophobia is the idea that instruments possess a will of their own, apart from that of their user. This is not a reasoned position, but when you point this out to a hoplophobe, he is not impressed because he is in an unreasonable position. To convince a man that he's not making sense is not to change his viewpoint, but rather to make an enemy. Colonel Cooper constructed the word from the Greek word of hoplon, meaning, among other things, arms, and phobos, meaning fear. Cooper employed the term as just another pejorative or slang. Fear. Gandhi said, the enemy is fear. We think it's hate, but it is fear. Fear is used by our friends as well. We are loss averse as a people. We don't like to lose anything. And so it is used against us, especially in marketing, selling, growing an organization. 
any marketing person will tell you that sex sells. Well, I'm here to tell you that sex doesn't sell. Sex just gets your attention. After your attention has been aroused, it's one of the other two primary motivators or dominant buying motives that drives you to buy. And those two dominant buying motives are desire for gain and fear of loss. And most salespeople use the wrong one when trying to motivate a prospect to buy. Keep in mind, I'm referring to motivators here, not manipulation. It's simply a matter of using the most effective tool to get the job done. And our friends do it to us all the time. Get your guns now. Vote now. You know where I'm going with that. How many ARs do you own? Just asking. Fear. Fear of loss makes you do a lot of stuff. Dale Carnegie said, inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. But sometimes people are overcome by fear, even paralyzed by the expected pain associated by the loss, whatever it is. So what do they do? What do we do? We try to protect against our pain. That means we might try to hold tight to the moment, such as taking a photo, or might make sure that the relationship stays positive, avoiding conflict at all costs. Unfortunately, these efforts break the living connection, making the object of their love more of a possession. People may tend to the object looking at their photo or doing everything, quote, right for their partner, but they are no longer fully open and connected, and eventually the love itself dies. Sometimes people defend against the feared or expected pain from loss by staying emotionally distant from people. Different kind of loss here, but they might even keep their lives small and controllable. Some people won't leave the ghetto, won't leave a bad situation, won't leave a bad job, won't leave a bad relationship because they want to control what they have. You know, better to have the devil you know than the one you don't. But this leaves you feeling cut off from an important part of yourself, the part that wants to be curious, the part that wants to grow, the part that wants to explore the world. It can even kill a passion. So as a result, you're stuck. You remain stifled and feel empty or dead inside. We do it to ourselves. If you can realize that you're protecting yourself from the pain of loss, then you have a decision to make. You can either let that moment of realization slip by and continue to live a defended life, or you can take action and break loose. Fear of loss is huge. Never be afraid to try something new. Remember, amateurs built the ark. Professionals built the Titanic. Just a little bit about fear. And I'm hoping that it made sense to somebody. Last week, I said that I'm glad to be here, and I was just glad to celebrate 10 years of podcasting. Podcasting itself is only about 13 years old, and I've been doing it for 10. And you've been with me for the ride. If you're new to the show, welcome and thank you for being here. Big shout out to all those who have persevered and stayed with me through all my changes and iterations of this show. Remember, originally it was the Urban Shooter podcast, and I had, I probably changed my intros and outros every six months, and some of you guys liked it, some of you guys didn't. I learned so much about broadcasting and communicating and talking to people and took me out of my comfort zone, and I pushed the envelope and did crazy stuff, and I had intros like this one. Where? Right over there. Second table from the left. See? I see a black man with a gun. Aw, 
it's all good. That's the Urban Shooter. He's an advocate for self-defense, legal gun ownership, and personal responsibility. Excuse me while I whip this out. It's the Urban Shooter, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Well, not every time. You're locked on to the Urban Shooter Broadcast. Ken Blanchard founded the 10th Cavalry Gun Club, a national pro-gun organization for African Americans, and works around the country to promote safe and responsible firearms ownership. Ken was involved in concealed firearms carry reforms in Texas, South Carolina, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and testified in the U.S. Congress against bills or acts designed to prevent law-abiding Americans from legal firearm ownership or concealed carry. If you need 19 rounds to shoot a deer, you probably shouldn't be hunting. Part of my culture, because of the way I grew up, closing the gun show loophole so that we make sure that uh, we have the information we need. Ken Blanchard has been featured on radio and television shows across the United States and Europe, as well as documentaries and movies. Ken has also been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, and now the urban shooter himself, Ken Blanchard. And this was done by a guy by the name of Mike Elmo. And it's probably my favorite intro to date. I wish I could update it. But Mike moved on and doesn't do this stuff anymore. But I got him when he was doing it. And man, is this hot to me. Has all the elements of my personality in there. And uh, I'm hoping that you liked it too. You know, I was trying to find a list that I used to have. I got it somewhere. I got to find it. Of all the people that I've interviewed on this show. And it's over 200 people. Yeah. 200 people that you know, famous people have been on this podcast. Incredible. What a ride. Then I discovered this voiceover actor, and man, he carried me through some tough times. Cheered me up more than he ever knows. Welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast, the podcast for law-abiding, fun-loving gun owners of the city. This show features how-tos, news, and political views on what's happening around the world and in your city related to the sports of shooting and protecting what's important to you. Your host is known as the Black Man with a Gun. He's a former U.S. Marine, federal firearms instructor, private investigator, counterterrorist, public speaker, and web personality. He's been featured in two documentaries, Fox News, the BBC, the Washington Business Journal, Washington Times, Wall Street Journal, and here he is now to give power to the people. Ken Blanchard. As you can tell, I have had many jobs. I will stalk you. I will find you. You will not get away from me, which is evident of my next guest. It's a blast from 2009. I had to stalk this guy to get an interview, but uh, here it is. Blast from the past. You might recognize him. This is Ken with Wayne LaPierre. Wayne, welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Ken, good to be with you. Man, thank you for being on. Anything you can give encouragement to the NRA members that are listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast right now? Any words of encouragement for the new year, 2009? Stay strong. I mean, it. Uh, the the attack is coming. I mean, we're going to be challenged in terms of this Second Amendment freedom, and uh, we need to stand together and, and hold the line and protect this great American freedom. I, I, I hope that, uh, you know, the Obama administration campaigned all over the country and handed people flyers saying they'll always protect the Second Amendment. Mm. And... Uh, I hope they keep that promise, and if they do, we'll be cheering for them. If they break that promise, we'll, we're ready, and we'll be standing strong to protect this Second Amendment freedom for all American citizens. Amen, man. Amen. I think after my interview, they increased security around him about tenfold and hired a new company. But, um, but like Mike Rose says, that's the way I see it. 
This portion of the show is sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com. Crossbreed Holsters has gained national recognition as a maker of the best and most functional concealment holsters available on the market today. Each holster is handcrafted to ensure your firearm is safe and secure while carrying, combined with the best customer service in the industry. Visit CrossbreedHolsters.com. And now, it's some time for Michael J. Woodland. Thank you, Ken, and welcome to another Tips and Review segment. I am Michael Woodland, and today we're going to discuss working on trigger control. This is a topic that does not make sense to a lot of people when it comes to shooting. Controlling the trigger is the pregame to your next shot. The easiest way to explain it is when you are first introduced to something, it could be a bit difficult, but the next time you visit it, the outcome should be less painful. If you ever dry fire your handgun or AR-15, this conversation will cover both of them. Have you ever noticed the tension it takes to pull the trigger? The next time you are doing some dry firing drills, take notice on how much it will take for the initial pull. After you pull the trigger, hold it back without letting go. Now, recharge the firearm. The next step will take some concentration because if you move too fast, you will lose it and have to start all over again. With your finger holding the trigger back, slowly let off the trigger until you feel or hear a metallic click. When you hear or feel this click, stop. Now, pull the trigger again. Did you notice how much lighter it was from the initial pull? Once you practice that a few times and once you feel comfortable with it, work on it from the draw or do the drill we talked about in the past where you balance an empty casing on the front sight without it falling off. Or if you have the AR-15, simply do the dime washer drill. Why is this important? There are many reasons, but one factor is that If you make it easier on yourself, the outcome of your performance will be better versus allowing the trigger to completely reset and pulling it again. Eventually, the muscles in your hand will get tired and you will have a greater chance of pulling or pushing the firearm left or right, which could throw your shot off tremendously depending on your distance from the target. Once you get this down to becoming second nature, then you will see your rate of fire increase. Just like anything else, practice at least 10 minutes a day or more, and you will see results at the range. For those who are looking to contact me, visit blackmanwithagun.com and under the leaders tab, click on my name, Michael Woodland, and shoot me an email. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun. Back to you, Ken. Thanks, brother. I want you guys to just recognize Michael for a minute. Um, The guy came, retired from the Army, served his country. He's uh, got some medical issues, but still a boss. He's still doing it, still doing the best he can. And uh, he jumped right in to help me with Black Man the Gun Show. He's my protege. He's uh, willing to learn. And I even try to give him more duties on this thing. But he uh, quietly and respectfully said, not right now. So uh, just give him some some love somehow. Shout out to him. Um, hit him back on his email. Let let him know that you appreciate him because life is too short. You got to do that. You got to give people their flowers while they're living. Do you have a concealed carry permit? Have you received training, been educated in its use of self-defense and protecting you and your family? Well, one piece you might be missing is self-defense insurance. It's what responsible gun owners do. 
A friend of mine started a company, a magazine back in the day. And the magazine was successful. He was able to branch out, provide education, training, and self-defense insurance for responsible gun owners. It's the USCCA. I am now an affiliate. I want to show off my buddy right now. Go to uscca.blackmanwithagun.com and check out the page. I guarantee you there's something that you could use, something that can help you, something that can make you better. uscca.blackmanwithagun.com Check it out. Education, training, and self-defense insurance for responsible gun owners. Speak Live Podcast. Do you want a new podcast to listen to? Check out my new one. It's called Speak Life. It's a must listen for every man and woman who wears a badge, owns a gun, hunts, or believes that freedom is life's first right. Speak Life podcast is going to give you what you missed, make you smarter, give you less stress, less fear, and more faith in God. The same God folks are trying hard to trivialize, marginalize, and misunderstand. Speak Life Podcast, now available on iTunes. And some call it Apple Podcast, also Stitcher and Google Play, by the way. I think you can also get it on YouTube now. SpeakLifePodcast.com And I think that's all I have in my little squeaky chair here to say this week. I want to thank you for joining me and listening. And being a part of the conversation. If there's anything I can do for you, please contact me. All my contact information can be found at blackmanthegun.com. And check it out because David Cole has been writing some really cool stuff the last couple of weeks. Don't want to miss it. Remember this. You want to try a thing that you haven't done three times. Once to get over the fear of doing it. Twice to learn how to do it. And the third time to figure out whether you like it or not. Until next week. Just in case nobody has told you this today. I love you. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. Until next time. Shalom, baby. Thank you for listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Ken would love to hear from you. Email him at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. Man, that was different. I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) Talk to you next week. Peace.